Hey, folks, and welcome to another Grayscale Gorilla podcast. Uh, thank you again for showing up. I still have a little bit of a uh, chest cold, so bear with uh, li- some uh, some phlegmy kind of noises there. I hope uh, it's not too gross. Uh, my voice is a little screwy, but I think it'll be a good show today. Uh, let's get started right away with some news. I haven't usually done too much news. I kind of jump right into the podcast, and I usually end up doing the news right before I start recording the podcast on the live show, which is uh, always recorded at the same time. It's on live at grayscalegorilla.com slash live. And there, you can actually uh, come in and ask questions and hang out while I record the show. Uh, But instead of doing news before I hit record, I decided to hit record, and then now we'll do the news because uh, you guys might be interested in uh, what's going on with the website, what's going on with uh, uh, my speaking and presentations and stuff like that. So uh, the the first thing I wanted to say was that I'm going to be at Seagraph this year in Vancouver presenting with, uh, with Maxon. And uh, if, you, if you're near Vancouver going to Seagraph, please stop by the booth. I'm going to have uh, a more formal uh, a time schedule of when I'll be there and, and when I'm hanging out at the booth. So it'd be really cool to meet some of you guys if you're, if you're there for Seagraph or live near Vancouver, if you guys can make it to the show or not. And uh, I'm not sure if this will happen or not, but... Uh, Last year at Seagraph, we had kind of a little uh, Twitter meetup kind of a thing, so maybe we'll do that again, and hopefully I'll get to meet all you guys um, that are hanging around Seagraph, and uh, I hope to uh, see you guys there. Um, Also, uh, I wanted to say that I have some new uh, After Effects stuff coming up in the blog that is going to be for... Uh, Red Giant people and their presets for particular that I've been playing around with. Uh, I think a few of them are particular. A couple of them are form as well, uh, trap code form. And um, uh, look for those in the blog real soon. You can go download those. Those have been really fun to make and play with. And uh, the last piece of news I wanted to talk about uh, something that was going on in the comments in the in the blog in in the Grayscale Gorilla blog recently. There's been a lot of. Um, uh, kind of criticism and critique of uh, me, the way that uh, the way that I teach, um, the some of the products I sell uh, on the blog, and um, it's been uh, a lot more. Let's just say this: there's been more uh, critique and stuff recently than there has been uh, in the past, and and I I hope it's um, because. Uh, there's more people around than there used to be. And I just wanted to say a few kind of, uh, just, I had a few comments on it and I figured uh, the podcast be probably the best place to talk about it. Um, the first thing is, is I, uh, I don't mind critique. I, I like hearing what people think about, uh, the way I do things, uh, the products I put out, the tutorials I put out, if they could be better, if there's a better way that I say um too much, that I t- touch my nose too much, that I ramble on too much, uh, I, that's fine. I like hearing from people and, and getting their um, opinion and figuring out how I could do things better. Uh, I've always learned more by being in a room full of smarter people than me. And uh, if smart people want to uh, critique and give me advice, I I like it and I I look forward to that and embrace that. Uh, But there seems to be a trend in comments to be really negative Uh, and not just towards me, which, you know, that's me. That's my site and you could do whatever you want towards me, I guess. But in general, people are being negative to each other and uh, they're attacking each other. And uh, even even under the guise of of. of uh, trying to defend me. So uh, there's, like I said, there's been some negative comments in the blog, but what, what is really um, something I'm, I'm trying to discourage is people are actually coming to my defense, but also just being jerks right back to people. And that doesn't help. Uh, attacking people back and forth for what they think is the opposite of what I uh, have tried to do on the blog. It's, it's the opposite of um, the way that I like to learn. I like to hear critique. I like to get feedback. And uh, I think that as soon as uh, you comment on a public place, that um, you have to understand that some people will uh, uh, not share your, your point of view, but that's okay. It's okay to not share the same point of view with other people, but there's no reason to attack them for it and to be mean for it. Uh, I've taken a very uh, liberal approach to comments on Grayscale Gorilla and on the blog. I don't like deleting comments. I like uh, having an open discussion, but 
um, if people are going to attack other people and if people are going to use uh, offensive language and, and attack even me too, uh, I'm going to delete it. Uh, again, good critique, criticism. Nick, you could do this better or have you tried this or you know, your old tutorials were good. Maybe this new one kind of sucks. I get it. I like it. I want that stuff. But uh, constructive criticism is a big, big, uh, there's a big difference between that and, um, and hate. And uh, hate doesn't help anything. Being, being a critic just to be a critic um, doesn't help. It only hurts. And uh, that's not the blog I started. That's not the community I want to be around. Those aren't the people I want to sit and have fun with on my blog. And uh, hateful comments will be deleted. Uh, it's, it's something I've tried not to do in the past. Um, I, I usually thought about maybe reasoning with uh, people that are just hateful. Uh, but you know what? You can't do that. And uh, so I just wanted to let you guys know that there's a slight policy change in comments where uh, hateful comments will be deleted. And uh, if you start to attack other people for their thoughts, uh, as long as their thoughts are well-written and, and your thoughts are well-written, then you can attack all you want and you, can, uh, and you can critique other people's work and the way they say things all you want. But it has to be in an adult tone. Uh, we're not going to allow YouTube idiot comments on uh, on my blog because at the end of the day I started this thing to have fun and I started this thing to teach people and 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 uh, kind of have fun with this whole process and it, it's not fun to to, to hang around uh, uh, hateful comments all day um, so with that said I wanted to share just why I did start the blog and why I continue to do the blog and talk to you guys about it maybe this will help kind of organize the whole thing because um, I think one of the best things I could do is is let you guys know what what my goals are with the website and and what I have planned for it and I think that might help drive the discussion in in a better way in the future um, you know i uh, I started the blog back when I just had a, a photo website just as a way to share some links and share photos and do the normal blog thing you know uh, this this artist is cool or this link is cool or I have something really uh, short to say about DVD demo reels or whatever. You can go back and look at the early blog. It's all still there. Um, But slowly, what I realized was Grayscale Gorilla turned into a place where uh, I want, I like teaching other people. I've always liked uh, showing people what I know. Uh, I've always liked people asking me questions and I actually know the answer and I could sit with them and say, well, actually, if you do this and this and this, that's how you use After Effects. Or if you do this and this and this, that's how you play the guitar or whatever. I've always liked the idea that uh, that I, I could share some of my knowledge that I've sat in a room and learned over the years with other people and maybe give them a head start or show them a different way to approach it or a different way to think about it. And I love doing that. And when I started doing tutorials on the website, it was such a no-brainer for me that why haven't I been doing this all along? I love doing this. I love the uh, the process of learning stuff and showing you guys. Now, the blog's been through a lot of, of different process from photography where it started. There's a lot of photography, uh, uh, Photoshop and bridge uh, and even aperture tutorials. Uh, I also did After Effects stuff. And recently in Cinema 4D where I am literally learning Cinema 4D as I go along and then making tutorials uh, to show you guys what I learned. Uh, so, you know, a lot of days I sit and play with Cinema 4D all day for eight hours and I come across something that finally makes sense, something like the hair tutorial where I go, finally, there, I know enough about hair to where it's starting to make sense. Let's do a tutorial and get you guys caught up to speed because that's the part I really enjoy. Um, so that's one. That's the one big reason I, I I continue to do the blog. It's one big reason I left my job to do the blog is to uh, share with you guys and and also give myself time to play with all these fun tools. So I get to play around with Cinema all day and then also teach you guys um, uh, how to do it. The, one of the other reasons I, I keep up with the blog and I like doing this stuff and especially I go talk to students and do that kind of thing is I like. Um, Uh, letting people know and showing people that you can have a job that you don't hate. This whole Garfield, I hate Mondays bullshit is, 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 uh, 
the opposite of how I was raised. It was the opposite of how I see the world. And there's so much hating on uh, producing work and making things that I, I, I don't think that has to be that way. You can do what you like to do all day and also make a living out of it. And I've been practicing my whole life trying to do that, whether it was DJing or music or um, uh, you know, recording engineering, photography, 3D, After Effects, all this stuff. Um, you know, I took my hobbies and made them jobs. And I like sharing the idea with other people. Not necessarily that you have to become a motion designer or you have to become a photographer, but that you can take whatever you're into and and make a a living, like enough to actually pay your bills and to do more of what you like doing. Uh, I think it's a revolution that the the internet helps make possible. I don't think this is necessarily what uh, can always happen. I think it's an exciting time to talk about people getting into stuff that they love and turning it into a real business. And I love talking about that stuff. Uh, that's another reason I, I have the blog. Um, and uh, of course, the the third thing is, is I started to sell plugins and products that help make people's job when they do get that job that they like to help make their job either more fun or easier or to impress their clients or their bosses. Uh, I've been in a, in a production environment for many years uh, in uh, a few different jobs where deadlines rule, where, uh, where it's great to make everything from scratch, but just sometimes you can't. And that's where uh, a lot of my products and, and the things I sell for Cinema 4D kind of come in, where uh, I made the light kit because I was tired of hand making uh, physical lights every time I needed them. And they also, the lights uh, made a little bit more sense to me. And I decided to sell that and uh, hopefully make other people's job easier when it comes to lighting stuff. Same with the texture kit. A lot of people do know how to make their own textures. A lot of people do know how to do all these, uh, all the normals and take photos of textures and make it all perfect and the UV maps. I don't. I never uh, learned that. Um, and, and frankly, it's one of those things that gets really tedious for me. So for me to have a whole big list of t- textures to just try um, is exciting for me. And it also um, gives me a lot of freedom to try out different stuff. So when I look at a product like that, I go, you know, this solves a problem that I have. It's fun for me to use and I'm going to sell it to other people. Um, and, and between those three things, uh, that's that's why I like doing what I do. It's it's why I like spending all the, all this time on the blog, on making these podcasts, on doing all this stuff because I have fun with it. And I guess the the end of it to wrap it up with the comments and everything is those are the reasons I like doing the blog. I started the blog for those reasons. I'm continuing the blog for those reasons. Um, and I like I like the idea that I can make uh, I can help take people's hobbies and turn them into to real jobs. Uh, and those are the people I'm speaking to. Those are the people I want to teach, uh, the people that really want to do this stuff. Um, and uh, and, and I, I guess that also in, influence, influenced the comment policy change. I want to uh, be on a site that is uh, productive, that has people teaching other people and helping other people. And I do not want to be a part of a site where uh, everyone's, um, where, where certain people decide to uh, hate on on each other. Uh, and it, it won't be tolerated anymore. And I hope um, if you guys want to hate stuff, you can go hate on your own blog. Uh, it's not going to happen here anymore. Uh, so anyway, hopefully my goal of teaching and, and making products and all this stuff is aligned with your goal, which hopefully is learning more that, about stuff you love and maybe making a job out of it one day. Um, but I just wanted to clarify that for everybody because I, it, it felt like there was people maybe talking about ulterior motives on my part. Uh, and uh, trust me, I'm doing this because I like doing it. <laughs> And and that's that's really the main goal here. Um, all right, uh, that is the news kind of uh, section, I guess. Let's head back into um, let's head back into the uh, chat room here and see if we got some questions we can get going and get get down to the to the business here. And uh, let's see here. All right, uh, the chat room is always jumping around here. 
And um, Rashid asks, I'm self-taught art- artist in an agency. How do I get promoted to creative director without certification? Ooh, do you need certification to be a creative director? I don't. I don't think you do. I think. Um, I think it's. I think it's just a a promotion, right? I mean, you. Uh, the short answer for almost any job is if you want to get the job that you're trying to get, you have to start acting like you 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 do that, right? In a creative industry, uh, whether it's creative director or it's. Um, the next level up or you want more responsibility or you want that better job or you want to um, create better stuff, the best way to get that promotion or the, the raise or whatever is to start working and pretending like you already have the job. Um, and if you act like a creative director, hopefully next time there's a spot for that or next time there's a a reason for that, you will step in as that role and they will trust you a little bit more. Um, One thing to keep in mind is everyone's, in a business sense, everyone's ass is on the line sometimes, right? So for them, for you to be, let's say, a junior animator or like a beginner, whatever, this or that, and for you to have aspirations to be a uh, I don't know where your level is, Rishi. I'm sorry, I'm not trying to call you an amateur or whatever, but Wherever level you are, the idea is that you want to take it to the next level, right? Another level. And uh, I'm sorry I said that. At least I didn't say a whole nother level. But uh, if, the, if the goal is to move forward, you, you kind of, in a, at least in an in a agency or in a big place like that where you need permission to move forward, you kind of need to um, make sure that you let them know that it's not a bad decision. So what doesn't happen is for you to be at your current level and say, hey, I want to be creative director. And then for them to say, yeah, sure, give it a shot. And then if you're not any good, we'll just knock you back down. Well, that doesn't work, right? And that doesn't work because their ass is on the line. And if they if they promote you to creative director and you fail, well, then it's not just you that looks bad, it's them, Right. So what you need to do is you need to be in a position where you make you make their job easier by being uh, a creative director. So um, I know this will turn into another story about me, but, you know, I guess that's the only experience I have is through me. But I uh, I was getting into Cinema 4D at the time and I was I was the After Effects guy. I was the compositor guy. I was the the animation guy in After Effects and I was not the 3D guy. We had a whole 3D team that did 3D. I was just a guy screwing around in Cinema 4D. But when uh, when it came to a job that that we almost turned down because our 3D team was full, I stepped up and said, hey, I've been playing around in this 3D program for a long time. Do you mind if I take a stab at it? And they said, uh, they didn't say, yeah, sure, we'll take the job if Nick wants to do it. What they said was, you have a day, and if you could pull it off, then we'll take the job. If you can get something that looks even close to what we're looking for, then we'll we'll take the job and you can you can be a part of it. And uh and I did and I I worked all day on making uh this look as good as I could in Cinema 4D and when I showed it to them they go, "Okay, well that's some progress and it's a lot better than we thought you'd do actually, but we're now going to take this job and put you on as a 3D artist." Um, because I showed them that I, I wanted to do it and I also could possibly pull it off. So I guess what I'm trying to say is if you want to be a creative director, you may not be able to go up to your boss and say, give me the next creative director job. But what you could do is take you and maybe two other people from the company and a friend and go be a creative director on the weekend and make the spot that you wanted to make, put your name on it and say, I'm the creative director, and then just show them and go, hey, I did this over the weekend. Uh, hope, you know, just showing you what, I, what I've been up to. You know, you're showing your friends what you, uh, <clears throat> you're showing your friends what you made. And then next time they're running out of creative directors, they may ask you if you want to step up on maybe a lower level client or a smaller client or a lower paid job or something like that, right? Um, and they may take a chance on you because you already showed them that you want to do it and that 
you went out of your way to to go do it and that you showed them that if if they recommend you for creative director or they recommend you for um, a promotion that their ass isn't on the line because you've already proven to them that you could do it. Does that make sense? It's a really, it's, it's a really, you have to show and you can't, you have to show and not tell when it comes to promotion. And when it comes to uh, get, the thing that doesn't work, right, is the opposite, which is I'm not doing more work until you pay me. Or I'm not gonna do any more than what I'm responsible for that unless you give me a raise, right? And and people do this. People say that. Like, you paid me for uh, four hours. Uh, I'm not going to work an extra 10 minutes to, to do it until you give me more. And you know what? That's fine in certain levels, especially if they're screwing you over. But when it comes to promotion, when it comes to showing people that you want the extra, um, uh, to showing people that you want the extra responsibility, you have to show them first before they give it to you. Hopefully that makes sense. Good question. Great start. Good question to uh, for the first uh, question here on the on the on the on the podcast. Uh, let's go into another one. Um. All right, uh, Matthew is asking. Uh, Matthew, can you post that again? The chat room is wacky. I'm gonna get back to Matthews. Um, let me see what else we got here. There it is. How do you price yourself as a commercial photographer versus shooting family portraits? Um, and uh, I think you have to look at those two markets separately, right? There's a price that commercial photography, you know, like an agency or, a, or a, you know, a, whoever hires commercial photographers, uh, they pay a certain price for commercial photography. And I think, and I'm assuming that um, family portraits are a slightly different pricing structure. Um, and I'm assuming a lot less expensive, right? But hopefully, you know both markets. You have to know both markets. And also, you have to market differently to, to, to different markets. Um, there... Uh, and that's where learning about marketing and, and who you're talking to is really important. If you look at something like, uh, I'm trying to think of, you know, maybe a car is a bad example. Or food, food's a good example. If you have a, a food item that you're trying to market to like foodie, uh, you know, I don't know, whole foods, really high-end food market, you're going to approach and price your product differently than if you're trying to sell it to kids at a candy store, even if it's the same piece of food, right? Um, and it's all about how you set that up. So you, you need to know the market. You, you, can't, uh, you can't overprice or underprice based on how good you are, and that's the other variable. It all depends on how good you are compared to everybody else, um, and it's no different than anything else. You have to... Um, you have to know where you sit in the market and then price accordingly and then adjust if you need to. So if you're getting more work than you can handle, your prices might need to go up. And if you're not getting enough work, well, you either need to get the word out more or better or drop your prices if you're overpriced. Um, I will say, though, that I think most photographers fall into one or the other. Um, I would really think about what you want to do. Do you want to do commercial photography or do you want to do family photography? I would think that if you've had experience, experiences in both, that uh, you might like one more than the other. And uh, I, would, um, I would go toward the one that you like doing. Um, you know, if, you have, if you're like part of the PTA and you are in like the school system somehow and you can put a, give a, give a, a flyer to everybody that says I do uh, family portraits, uh, maybe that's your angle, right? But if you're already in commercial production, if you already have a portfolio for commercial stuff, um, then I would lean toward that. So first of all, be clear about what you want to do. Second of all, get to know the market and where you fit in the market. Um, that could be also maybe talking and taking out another photographer for a beer and asking them what their prices are and how they get work. Um, so there's a lot of different ways around it. Um, and it actually, all the ways that I talk about in all my presentations and stuff on how you can get a job doing what you like doing, it's all about that stuff. It's all about knowing where you fit in the market, getting your word out, and then also um, 
making sure your prices are make sense for where you live. Uh, a commercial photographer in New York's going to charge a lot different than a commercial photographer in you know South Carolina. So, you know, go start to learn the market. I would say that might help uh, guide you. You know, there's no right answer, but hopefully that helps. Um, I guess that's the end of every question. There's no right answer, but hopefully there's something there. <clears throat> um, let's see here. Oh, uh, boy. Let's see. Uh, have you ever had days where you're totally exhausted? This is from No Creativity. He says, which is a great name for this, by the way. Uh, and uh, the chat room's moving so fast, I can't get it. But he basically says, uh, have you ever had a day where you're so exhausted, uh, you, you're just not into it, um, and you're not motivated? What do you do on those days? And uh, I actually just had a conversation about this and read an article by uh, Jason Freed, who is um, over at 37 Signals, where I steal a, a, an office desk every once in a while. <coughs> He's a super smart dude, too. Kind of my kind of one of my heroes about uh, the way he thinks about work and the way he does stuff. Um, always recommend uh, their books as well. Anyway, what he wrote on this article recently, I think it was for Inc. Magazine. He said, uh, you know, a lot of people think of productivity and getting stuff done as something they need to work on every day. Like if you don't, if you're not performing at 100% productivity and getting all this stuff done every day, well, then you're just failing, right? And, uh, I would, um, I and he argues, and I would agree, is creativity and making work and doing stuff comes in cycles. Sometimes your body is ready to sit and work for eight hours straight and get in the zone and focus and really get into it. And sometimes, you know, today might be screw around on YouTube and Wikipedia day. Uh, and your your brain might need that. Um, you know, I, I, I have to read the article over again and I don't want to misquote anything. But in my own opinion, in my own words, I would say that I would trust your body to tell you what you need to do. If you feel always distracted, if you're always dicking around on YouTube, then you need to think about your priorities and, and set them up. But if you know what, if you're doing good work and you hit a day where you don't, you're not feeling it and you need to go take a walk or you need to like play a video game or whatever, you know what, go do it. Come back to the problem later and uh, approach it with a fresh mind, hopefully, and you'll get more done. And the whole idea of stressing yourself out, and this gets into, um, you know, this gets almost into like meditation and Buddhism and stuff like that. But, you know, the whole idea that you, if you're stressed out that you're not doing enough work, well, then you're just, that's another form of stress that's not going to help you do more work, right? So, if you're sitting there like for three hours in front of the computer and you're like, I know I need to do this. I know I need to do this. I know I need to do this. And you find yourself uh, running in circles on the internet, clicking all the links and not doing your work. Well, you know what? Today might not be your day. And if there's a, there's a deadline, well, shit, we, we better figure it out. Uh, but if it can wait a day or if it can wait two hours, why not go take a walk for two hours? Why not go ride your bike? Why not go uh, hang out? Go do something else. Come back and then and then refocus and rethink on it. Um, so if you're having a down day in the middle of a pretty okay week, you know, don't beat yourself up about it. Um, uh, you know, I'm and here's the thing. I'm I'm the worst at this. I will sit in front of a computer and and have a list of two things I need to do and not do any of them and and totally screw around all day and uh, and not realize what I'm doing. You know, and and be in a habit like, okay, let's check the blog comments again. Well, let's go see what people are saying on Facebook. Let me check Twitter. Let me check my email. Let me write back my email. Oh, let me read this blog post. Let me. Um, Watch, the, oh, there's a new video from uh, so-and-so. Let's watch that. Oh, there's a new TED Talk. I fall into this trap all the time. And what I should be doing is maybe bookmarking all that crap to watch later. Or you know what? Maybe I should go get up and go watch it in the living room away from where I work all day. So a lot of it's setting up habits um, so that when you sit in work zone, you work. And when you sit in play zone, you play. Um, there's an, that, that could help as well, but there's a lot of different ways to be aware of your habits and be aware of your thoughts and, um, and act on them. And, you know, if you have three days in a row where you're not doing anything, well, you, then you really need to sit and figure it out. But if it's just one day and, you know, 
Go, go, screw, go screw around for a day and come back to it. Um, I'm going to take a sip of coffee here. All right. Um, let's see here. How do you, uh, Shabello, how do you deal with self-doubt? Wow. Man, read my mind lately. So, <clears throat> self-doubt. I, uh, I, I, I wasn't, I, man, I had, I had pretty good parents. I didn't have a lot of self-doubt. Um, I mean, I definitely did in some areas, right? I didn't have, uh, I didn't have like friends in high school. I was the nerd and, uh, you know, I wished, uh, I wish I was hanging with the cool kids, whatever. But for the most part, when I was, when I was doing things I liked doing, right? Um, when I was at home playing guitar and, and, you know, figuring out how to get a higher score on my video games and whatever, um, I, I didn't have that self-doubt. I didn't. And and when it came time to show people, uh, and play in front of people, I was always okay at presenting too. I was always good on stage, you know, and, and, um, showing off things that I liked to do. And, um, when it comes to self-doubt, it was, I've always been pretty good about it. I've always been pretty, um, uh, uh, I could always hold my head up pretty good, but recently, uh, I've been kind of going through a, a moment where I don't know, um, if, if every, you know, what I want to do every day and, and if I'm doing exactly what I should be doing and all this stuff. And, uh, it's a new, it's a new feeling for me. It's a new, uh, emotion for me to deal with because I'm not used to it. And this is starting to sound like some, uh, some intervention or something like that, but I guess the way that I've been dealing with self-doubt is to sit and think about what I want to do. So even, you know, even a little behind the scenes, guys, you know, sitting and telling you what, what my plans are for the blog is kind of part of that process. Sitting down and, and looking at negative comments and seeing, you know, it, is what they're saying true? Uh, you know, people were telling me I'm, uh, I'm um, ripping people off. And people are telling me that uh, I'm um, I'm I'm pretending that if you buy my products that you'll get a job, <laughs> and, those, and these are the comments I get. And you know what? I have to take a lot of them at face value and think about if they're right or wrong. Um, and uh, I had I had some moments there. I had some self doubt. I had some. Is what I'm doing real? Is what I am I just doing this because? Um, and you know what? I sat down and thought about it and I realized that I wasn't, you know, I, I'm doing this from the right place. Uh, I like teaching. I like doing what I do. And, um, and if, if people don't like me, well, you know, they can go somewhere else, frankly. Um, I'm not here to please everybody. I'm only talking to people that want to be talked to and I'm only selling products to people that want to buy my products. And, um, uh, it took a long time and I'm still figuring it out. Uh, to get over that idea that, um, you know, to get over that self-doubt process. And um, even talking about it right now, you know, there's a lot of thoughts that go through my head. Like, should should I be talking about this? Should I be on my podcast, on my website, talking about how I'm unsure sometimes? Well, you know what? Fuck yeah. Um, I hope I don't, I hope I don't get uh, the explicit tag now, but, but fuck yeah. You know what I mean? Um, this is real life. Like, people have... Uh, self-doubt sometimes people have uh, are too strong in their words and too strong in their actions sometimes Um, but I'd rather err on that side than than err on the self-doubt side so some of the things I've been thinking about is um, doing what I want to do and worrying about the consequences later right um I'm not sure how that fits into the question necessarily, but when, when self-doubt happens, what usually happens is you do nothing. Um, so for me to have self-doubt, maybe I don't put out as many blog posts, or maybe I don't make that next product I want to make, or maybe I don't um, learn more about Cinema 4D, or don't do another podcast episode, or whatever. Uh, and I would rather uh, create and be wrong, then let self-doubt stop me doing, from doing the things I want to do. And again, this is getting really maybe too personal and stuff. But I think that self-doubt is a big reason a lot of people don't do what they want to do. Uh, when, I, when I 
you know, go back to the reasons I do this blog and talk to people and, and explain how people can actually get jobs doing what they like doing. Self-doubt is one of those things that keeps people in a job that they hate. Self-doubt is one of those things that, that has everybody has their idea for the new iPhone app, but nobody makes it because it might not be a success. Uh, or, you know, they don't know enough about it. Or uh, I can't leave my job really because, uh, you know, I'm unsure about the future and I'm, not, I'm, I'm unsure about my own talents. Um, self-doubt can really screw stuff up. And uh, like I said, I've always been pretty good with it. I've kind of been a, a confident person for most of my life. But uh, going through, you know, the last uh, week or so, thinking about, really, really thinking about my intentions and having those moments of self-doubt is is really interesting to me. And it, it's hard. It's paralyzing. It keeps you from doing stuff you want to do. Um, and I'm, I've already rambled on too much about this, but uh, I don't know. I, there's, um, there's so many ways to get around it. Uh, but I think sitting and, and clarifying your thoughts and realizing why you're doing something uh, is was helpful for me, um, at least when it came to my blog and, and things that I make. Sitting down and, and looking at comments and, and, and critique and saying, is this true about me? Uh, and, and, and me saying, no, this is, well, you know, some of it might be true, but this is not true. This is not true. This is not true. And now I can move forward with less self-doubt and, and do stuff knowing that some people won't agree with me. Um, I'll say one more thing, which moving back to a more practical point of like people maybe not leaving their job or, or, or trying to get that promotion or whatever, there's always going to be somebody that it's going to tell you that it's not possible. There's always going to be somebody telling you that what you're thinking of is stupid. And there's always going to be somebody uh, telling you that um, wh- what, whatever your idea is, your iPhone app or your app or your uh, animation or whatever you're doing is already done by, better by somebody else. And why waste your time? Right. Um, and in all cases, when that happens, take that criticism and make it your absolute goal to prove them 200% wrong. Um, and, uh, and, and just take it and try to maybe even try to flip it like that and, and push against it. I've always tried to do that. Uh, whenever people are like, yeah, you can't go do that. Why are you leaving? Um, I like, I like proving people wrong, <laughs> wrong sometimes. Uh, again, like the end, like, uh, like most of, uh, the topics here, there's no right answer. Uh, we're just going to leave it at that. I need a catchphrase now for that. Like, uh, well, I don't know. Maybe there's something there. I think maybe there's something there might be a catchphrase. Uh, Dano. Dano's got a question. He says, uh, throw that up there again, Dano. The chat's being weird again. It's hard to uh, to do it. Dano says, um, what, I think his question, If I, before he puts it back up, what's the difference between the live show and, and the podcast? Uh, and what, what's, uh, yeah, here it is. How would you describe the change from the live chat to the podcast so far? Any recognizable changes for you? And, uh, that's a good question. Um, the live show, I've been doing a live show for two, over two, maybe close to three years now. I was still doing it when I was in, uh, uh, at digital kitchen and I would come home from work and do a live show like on Thursday nights or something like that, or Tuesday nights. And the live show has always been really uh, sporadic. There's always been a lot of hand waving and a lot of swearing and a lot of jokes and a lot of uh, um, kind of random stuff in the chat room. And it's a lot of fun. I really and I still do the live show in a sense right before I record um, this podcast and after. So if you're listening to the podcast after after the fact when it's already recorded, well, if you were to be here live in the live chat room, which is grayscalegorilla.com slash live. Well, I'm here 20 minutes before the, the podcast and sometimes up to an hour after the podcast, just screwing around in the chat room. And that's kind of what the original live show was, was just a bunch of questions and having fun and stuff. Um, but I wanted to do a podcast to mainly to help clarify some of my thoughts um, I was hoping to have more focused topics on on the uh, on the podcast and be able to talk at length on one topic uh, 
you know, if you go back to some of the earlier podcasts, you could see some of those are, you know, all about specific things. And those things do do two things. It, it acts as a record for some people. If they want to hear uh, me gab on more about stuff, they could go watch that. And it's a little more focused. And it also helps me organize my thoughts, like I said. Um, knowing that I have to talk for an hour on one topic uh, is... Um, makes me sit and take notes and think about how I think about things and, and what I want to say about it. And it and it is a little bit, hopefully, more professional. It's a little bit more um, valuable at a certain point. And it's also a little bit more listenable even after the fact. So the live show only exists live. Once it's over, you can watch it, but you're kind of missing a lot of it because... Um, uh, of the chat room aspect. You know, if you're watching a live show after the fact on Ustream, it, there's not a lot of value there because you're missing all the jokes and stuff <laughs> in the chat room. So hopefully these podcasts are a little bit more uh, focused, a little bit more slow and focusing on in-depth questions a little bit more. And again, they make me think a lot more about uh, stuff and, not, and they're not just one-off quick little answers on a, on a chat room. Uh, but that, that would be the main probably difference between the two. Uh, let's see here. We'll get a couple more questions. Uh, losing my voice already. Sorry, folks. Let me get another, uh, get another one. Thanks for the question, Dano. I appreciate it. (coughs) Uh, Mag, Maggie Blass, screwed up that name, is asking, how do I deal with white paper, blank paper syndrome? And, uh, uh, I, I seriously have blank paper syndrome. I'm really, really bad at at uh, creating something from nothing, um, especially visually. When it comes to writing and saying something and putting together presentations, I'm okay with that. And that's usually because I'm usually reacting against something. Uh, so, you know, if I sit down to write a blog post about school or to make a presentation about how to get a job or whatever, I'm already... I already have an idea to um, of what I'm going to say, and I could sit down and start to form it. But when it comes to creative, um, more white paper creative problems, I'm so bad at that idea. So one of the worst things a client or somebody could say to me is, hey, I want, can you help me make this thing? And I, I go, well, what did you have in mind? They're like, I don't know. Just make it cool. Well, sh- you know, what do I do? Th- what do I do then? Um, I have no, I have no friction. I have nothing to go against. Uh, you know, is it, is, are, are, what, what's cool to you? Is it dinosaurs? Is it black on black? Is it white on white? Is it rainbows? Is it colorful? Is it glossy? Is it matte? Is it paper? Is it delicate? Is it large? Is it small? What is cool, right? What is cool to you? What's cool to your product? What makes sense? But if somebody were to come, come to me and say, this has to be, uh, you know, we're thinking really large, like big, heavy type and metal, and it's going to come and 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 it's going to be the most impressive, like you know, Terminator, you know, Transformers, get in your face, aggressive backlit kind of thing. Man, my brain starts moving, and I'm like, well, what about this? What about this? How about this? Let's do this. Let's do this. And uh, that's where I do a much better job is once there's rules established, well, then I can stretch out and start pushing the rules around to make it the way that I want it to look, I want it to feel, or I feel would be fun and cool. Um, you know, for me to sit and come up with an idea for like an iPhone app might be hard, but for me to help somebody improve their iPhone app, well, I love doing that, and I'm way better at that than coming up with the original idea in the first place. And, um, you know, if, you, if you're literally stuck with white paper syndrome and you need to get something out, if it's a school project or a, a client piece or just something cool you want to make personally, well, you know, go flip a dictionary open and start picking nouns out. Um, you know, flip to a random web page and, and only use the colors that you can sample on that web page in your animation. Literally color pick from, uh, from a photo, a, a cool-looking photo. Um, what, what's hard is what you don't want to do is go into, uh, you know, let's say you're trying to do a motion piece. What you don't want to do is go to Motionographer, go watch a tutorial or something, and then base that, that thing you're trying to create, this creative thing off of other people's work, um, 
because that's how everything starts to look really similar, you know, and that's, a, a, and to, you know, to poke a little at myself, that's one of the reasons all my stuff is just a bunch of spheres rolling around. It's because, uh, I don't have that ability to take a technique and turn it into a, like a very practical application. Uh, everything I try uh, to do is around the idea that I'm just going to make spheres look as good as I can. And there's so much more to cinema, of course, but I want to take these techniques and make them very simple at first and then move forward. Because if I had to uh, make a very kind of artistic, fun, uh, you know, detailed animation for every tutorial, well, I just wouldn't put out tutorials because that's not what I do. I'm not good at that stuff. Uh, so that's one of the reasons... Um, my stuff is simple and I try to keep it simple. It's because that's how my brain works. Um, uh, I, I'm going to take the spheres and apply this technique to it and try to make it as cool as I, as I can. Uh, but figure out what that is for you. And if you really need to make it crazy, maybe I should try this on my next tutorial. Go pick a color and go pick a, uh, you know, go pick a noun and make it, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's an orange elephant and, and now I got something to do, Right. Maybe it's like an elephant texture or, uh, or uh, an outline or a vector or whatever. Or maybe it's just got a big, t- you know, long nose sticking off the front of it. But find things to start to constrain your environment and then you'll have things to play with. Uh, it's one of the reasons the five-second projects, I know I got to get a new five-second project out. But it's one of the reasons I like the five-second project so much is because it gives you um, an opportunity to, to take constraint, especially time constraint and, um, and creative constraint and make something out of it. Uh, so good luck with that. Thanks for the question. All right. Uh, let's get one more, uh, let's get one more question here and, uh, we'll, we'll do it. Um, searching through here. Uh, Catch 22, no jobs, experience, how does one overcome? That's a great one. Whales for Life, junior graduate designers are often caught by the Catch 22 of employers wanting experience, but no jobs offering one to get the experience. How does one overcome or work around this? What a great question. And uh, the, the the main idea behind that is, you know, how uh is that a question? I guess it was a question. <laughs> Are you answering somebody else? I think that makes sense. I think it's a good question anyway because it comes into um it comes into play like the similar stuff we talked to earlier where uh I forgot who had the question but they wanted to kind of uh get the next job or become a creative director or get promoted. And uh when when you're when you're in that catch 22 when you're a student, right? You're in this position where you have you don't have a lot of experience, a lot of real experience, and um, a lot of jobs might be asking for a lot of experience. You know, so you you may open up the uh, newspaper or whatever people do nowadays to find jobs, and it'll say you know four years motion design experience, and uh, you don't have that. And how do you get that? Well, one way is to be an intern, right? So you could go intern at a shop and start to learn real world, real world, you know, techniques and real world uh, language. And the amount that you learn from that first internship or job or whatever is so huge um, that it is hard to hire straight out of college, you know. So that's one way to do it. Another way to do it is to um, maybe find a, a, a job that where where. Maybe it is a little below where you are. Maybe you are the worst one there. Maybe you are a little bit underpaid. I'm not sure, but you're getting experience, right? And the idea is you're soaking up as much experience as you can at that first job so that you can really knock it out of the park on that second job. And in fact, I've talked to this, um, I've had this uh, discussion with especially really talented uh, animators and, and students. You know, if you're rocking it at school, one of the, I think one of the worst things you could do is go directly out of school and get your perfect dream job right away. And there's a few things wrong with this. One is that you're the new guy. No matter really how good you are, you're still going to be treat, 
treated like the new college kid. <coughs> Excuse me. And uh, if you come into your dream job and you're the new college kid, well, frankly, that's kind of your role for a long time. No matter how much you learn, no matter how good you become, uh, you uh, will be pigeonholed in, in that um, in that spot. But if you if you leave out of college and you go to kind of a maybe a secondary place and really really polish your skills up, and then go to your dream job or that next position or that creative director job or whatever you want. Well, now you're coming in with leverage, not only on your salary, but also on the respect that you get on um, the type of jobs that you'll get on the type of work that you'll be included in. Um, And it's something you really need to be uh, careful about. And uh, so, you know, I've kind of stretched this question out to include way too much stuff, but if you need experience, one of the, one of the best things you could do is go create your own experience, right? So if you need on-the-job work hours and, you, and you've been waiting for six months to get a job to get on-the-job work hours, well, why, why don't you and your friends go make something on the weekend instead? Because um, that's real-world experience, right? Why not, uh, why not um, offer help on a project that where you can just be a roto monkey for a weekend and then go hang out and be in a real project. Um, do anything you can to be a part of the experience. Um, so that when it comes to knowing all the terms and, and getting that next job, you can walk in and know the lingo, know the language and say, Hey, I may not have three years straight working at a place, but I did this. I did this. You may have seen this. I've done, you may have seen this, 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 and this. And, um, hopefully, uh, hopefully that's enough for them to push into it. Cause frankly, it's not three years of experience exactly that they're looking for. It's, uh, just the idea that you, they don't have to train you. So if you go out of your way to learn all that stuff that they don't need to train you about and you can walk in and prove that, I think you can, um, I think you can uh, get around that, um, get around that uh, limitation. Uh, all right. Uh, I think that's good for today. Thanks again, guys. Uh, got some really good questions again from the chat room. Uh, again, sorry about the voice. Hopefully I'll be clear uh, lung, lung, clear lungs next, next week. Uh, hope you still stay tuned after all this coughing. I'll see you guys in, uh, in a, in a week at another podcast. And if you want to watch live, join me Wednesdays at two o'clock at grayscalegorilla.com slash live. There's a little timer there. If you want to know what time it is in Chicago. And also, uh, if you want to subscribe to the podcast, you could do that through iTunes. Just type in Grayscale Gorilla. Or there's a link on my uh, blog. And uh, you know what? Leave a, leave a uh, comment and uh, rate it, too, if you can. That helps, uh, that helps with iTunes and, and uh, gets, more, gets more people, hopefully, uh, listen to me uh, cough. So thanks again, guys. I'll see you in another podcast or another tutorial really soon. Bye, everybody.